0: Last week we talked about MCU stuff, and I was like, "Oh, I can't believe there are vampires and the imps." That's the one thing—that's where I draw the line. And Thor, Ragnarok, Korg picks up that three-pronged stake and says, "This would be useful for fighting off three vampires at once." Oh, but what if Korg just likes television? I don't think Korg knows what television ah, is. He's in goddamn space. Korg is in Blade Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Korg is in But Blade. vampires have been mentioned in the MCU. That's fair. It Thanks, means Taika Watiti. <laughs> Thanks, Taiko Watiko. credits Slept. I have no energy. This... I know last week we said we have a bad show for you, but we just have a bad Henry for you tonight. Welcome to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Bad Henry. And my name's, I guess, Normal John. And together we're Bad Henry and Normal John. We're coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist. Uh... <laughs> You seem like you're not doing well. I am in a bit of a pickle Uh at work and other things that I don't really want to discuss on the podcast. As we've discussed, the only thing that we can really talk about on the podcast regarding our work is our dissatisfaction (laughs) about it and just enough details to not really know where we work. Not getting in any specific terms... I feel like I have one hypothetical foot out the door, but, like, if things don't line up, that foot will become a very realistic still-in-the-door foot. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of living, like, in two worlds right now. You're living in, uh, uh, Beyond Two Souls. Is that that game with Ellen Page? It is, uh, David Cage and Ellen Page. David Cage is not great. What a match made in Hagen. Hagen. Oh, there you go. Uh, David Cage should make a game about Cajun people. Okay. What would it be called? <laughs> I have no idea. But no, no. Oh, David did... Cajun. Fuck. Oh, Why didn't I say that? Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. But it's like I'm standing at a crossroads. Kind of like Robert Frost dumb poem that everyone <laughs> says. Yeah, I think it's called Standing at a Crossroads. I don't, yeah, I don't know what it's called. Robert Frost is a good poet. That poem, but that poem doesn't mean what people think it means. But uh, it's like I'm standing on the crossroads and I can see my old job and a new opportunity. And I can see myself going down both paths. But I'm like walking down them at the same time and I'm, I'm like my spirit is jumping from one road to the next. And like I just I just want to be on one road and I want it to be a good road. Give me my road. Let me tell you how to fix that. What? What you do is at the crossroads, you dig a little hole, you bury a fiddle in it. You cover the fiddle over with dirt, and that summons the demon that lives at every crossroads. You make a deal with the demon, and then you'll have your road straight to hell. Well, also, I'll be really good at the fiddle. Yeah, you'll be extremely good at the fiddle. That's the road, by the way. This job thing? Forget it. Forget that. Your road is the fiddle. Also, it stars... uh, the guy from that horse movie, Lord of the Rings. Oh, uh, yeah. Aragorn. Yeah. Yeah, Strider, I believe, is the actor's name. <laughs> tall go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Hidalgo. Um, what's what? his name? God, what's his name? Balto. His name is Balto. He does not. He's not in Balto. He's Balto. Is he? His his name is Balto. No, that's the name of the wolf dog. Okay, Anigo Montoya is his name. That is not his name. Vigo Mortensen. Thank oh. you. You got me there. There we go. Uh, What were we talking about? (laughs) Uh, We were talking about you being at a crossroads and on two roads. I never want to live two lives, but right now I'm hypothetically living two lives and it feels like, I don't know, it feels like I'm going to start glitching out like any of the spider people from Enter the Spider-Verse. It feels like my desire and my body are rallying against reality and I don't like talking on the phone. Why did I agree to this? Well, for what it's worth, uh, you uh, either you will continue a pace, the situation will resolve itself, or you will crumble into dust. Great. There's a limited number of states you can exist in. So that just explains the funk that I am in. And speaking of the funk, today's episode, we're drinking again. However, we've got a little bit of a surprise for our listeners. And ourselves. <laughs> and ourselves. Uh, have a listen to this, listeners. That's right, it's a it's a shitty twist off. My little baby hands Can my little baby hands handle a little twist off? Yeah, just go. It hurts. Grip, grip and rip. Just <laughs> Just go. It hurts. Fight through the pain. Ow. How did you do that? You just twist it off. It hurts. You just twist it. It's hurting me. Just twist it, John. That really hurts. Little baby hands never twisted off a bottle cap. Ah, uh, so we're John, it's stuck. Just twist it. Just keep twisting it. It hurts. It's digging into my skin. Oh. <laughs> you got mad, you threw it. <laughs> uh, anyway, today's episode is brought to you by a joke that I wanted to make. Uh, and Henry has already tasted uh, the joke that I could not make. Uh, I bought a beer intending to make a joke, uh, uh, to surprise with a bad beer. But I did not get a bag at the HEB, so I had to let Henry know beforehand that we are drinking, of course, Bud Light Platinum. Uh, the... Um, the champagne of beers? Oh, is that what they call that? I thought that was Michelob Ultra. Holy shit. That tastes so bad. It's triple filtered. So they filtered everything out of it. Premium 6% alcohol volume light beer? I think after 3% you can't call yourself a light beer anymore. Yeah, these things have like 130 calories per thing. Uh, but Bud Light Platinum, one of the least popular varieties of Bud Light... Uh it is just a high gravity bud light with like twice the alcohol content. Uh so it just tastes like bud light but like more dry, I guess. Oh my god, like you, you everyone in their life has come across this joke. Someone has told it. Uh what what's the difference between wait, no. What do Bud Light and sex in a canoe have in common? They're both fucking close to water. Yeah. And so, like this is a step up from that. <laughs> it's it's not. It doesn't quite taste just like water. It tastes like maybe you rinsed your beer out, <laughs> yeah, and then poured it back into the bottle. It tastes like a a relatively high gravity beer was drunk to the after the like oh uh, the the, the, horrible, the backwash yeah the backwash and then you filled the rest of the bottle up with backwash and then yeah. you drank it. Oh, man. You know in Japan they've got, like, they sell vodka sodas just like in convenience stores? That sounds pretty great. Yeah, why the fuck is America the home of the world's shittiest beer? Yeah, I I don't know. But 6% can't beat that for the $5 I paid for the six-pack. This was $5? This was $5. That's actually a steal. Yeah. But think about it. We paid exact... The blue bottle is really cool. The Yeah, I mean... If you want to make, like, a bottle tree. I know, but, like, I'd shine a light through that. I'd make a dumb lamp out of that. I'd make a dumb light out of Bud Light bottles any day. Anyway, you pay what you get for. You get what you pay for. And this seems, this seems like a nitpick. But the glass is very thin. Like, around the mouth, it's, like, super thin. It feels like I'm drinking out of something that I can crush in my hands. All I have to say is I don't think I'm going to complain about Sierra Nevada anytime soon. Uh, and you know what beer you're really not going to complain about? Corona. Corona. And why is that, John? Why would you set me up to say Corona? Why would I set you up to say Corona? Corona, indeed, the King of Brews, because this, dear fams, and dear Henry, is the last... Normal episode of zero credits before the big one. The event that we've been looking forward to for, I guess, a year. Yeah, I mean, you guys think Endgame was some big shit with its blowing off the box office and getting 40 billion characters and being a culmination of like 20 years, not even close, 11 years of films. You think that can hold a goddamn match to this uh, movie that's coming out Friday, August 2nd? The event of the season that me and Henry have uh, inherently and contractually decided to mark the fuck out for Hobbs and Shaw... In theaters August 1st slash 2nd. Well, I mean, technically the release date is the 2nd. Yeah. What do you want from me? Yeah. And we're seeing it on the 2nd. We are. But this is the last time... We're seeing it on Saturday. We're seeing it on the (laughs) 3rd. This is the last time you are going to hear from us in a normal capacity before the ninth installment of the Fast and Furious Supplemental Reading Series. And this time, it's personal. Well, I guess every time they're kind of personal. (laughs) I I mean, they're not impersonal. This time, it's contemporary. This time, it's topical. This is the first experience in the first... Cinematic Universe, the mm-hmm. Fast and Furious Cinematic Universe, or Fuck You, mm-hmm. as we like to say. Yes. Uh, you like to say Fuck You. Fuck but, You. But I say Fuck You. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I've made that exact point before. This is the first time we're seeing something current. The first time we're, we're going to experience it at the same time as everyone else. There's no more catch-up. This is the first time since I was a young teen that I will have seen a Fast and Furious movie in a movie theater, and I hope to God, that I, it is the same experience where I leave the movie theater and people are doing burnouts in Toyota Celicas in the movie theater parking lot oh, because man. people are so hyped about Fast and Furious. That's what I did after Baby Driver. Just peeled right out that parking and lot. just hit Kevin Spacey. Hit Kevin Spacey and got Evan... Evan? Evan. Edgar writes, uh, I just hacked a Spotify. I was like, let's go. You're like, Let's go. Gold Nearing, you had one good song. Radar Love, baby. What? Radar love. So, this is Sparta. What? I don't know. I wanted to make a joke from 20 years <laughs> ago. Uh, so this is a big time for us, absolutely. And it's a big time for you listeners because I, I think that the the supplemental reading series of Fast and Furious has become a, a totem of our, it's our crowning achievement that we can stick to something even though it is a very bad idea and we can do it for two months straight. I mean, yeah, certainly, some of our events we we can we can barely limp out. I'm not going to name them because I think the, in the canon explanation we don't remember them each year. But a certain month, what happens to the podcast? That is something I will say. We can we can pull that off. Yeah, but the Fast and Furious supplemental reading series was two months straight of corona induced. Analyzing movies that we didn't want to, but then like in a weird Stockholm Syndrome fashion took over our entire identity and now we are seeing the next installment in theaters in a different city. Like we're traveling to a different city. We're traveling to a different city to drink our asses off, see some independent films, and cap it all off with Fast and Furious. We're actually we're gonna have a really car centric weekend because we're driving to a different city. We're seeing two movies about cars, and hopefully, we'll become cars and our souls. Yes, I want to become uh, a car that is from like uh, Transformers, like you, uh, like an Autobot. You, an Autobot. You can become a car from Disney's Cars. I no, because those are weird. I instead want to be a car from the Chevron commercials. Okay, because their eyes are in the right place. They're less weird. The cars from the Chevron commercials have places for humans to live, and I can get behind that. But the cars from Disney's cars, if you open the doors, they're just a brain in there. Is that true? I never saw this movie. Cars? It's just the windshields are their eyes. So is there just a brain inside of it? I guess. Do they ever open their doors? I no, because there's no humans. I never saw the movie. There's no humans. Do they still run on gas or Absolutely, that is a big that is a big point of the movie. They do run on gas. Who <laughs> drills for the gas? Who makes the, the petrol? Who indeed makes the petrol? Fast and Furious. Okay, weird point about cars. This is is connected to absolutely nothing, John. Yes. In the second and third His Dark Material books, uh, a scientist gets to go to a different world. A world where there are naturally paved surfaces across the planet. And as such, the animals of that world uh, naturally adapted little wheel-like feet Uh that they hook onto... And then they can like roam across the planet on these naturally paved surfaces. Yes. Why wouldn't cars borrow from his dark materials and just say the world was paved so cars naturally exist and they don't need gas? I, uh, instead they just. I have to imagine cars takes place in a post apocalypse. Oh, we're. Something went wrong. There's no humans, but there is human infrastructure. Oh, so the stuff there, is left over. There's like gas, gas stations, stations, there's buildings, there's roads. Okay. So it's gotta be after the world has ended. So after the events... So, okay, here's what happened. Uh, all of the humans... This has probably been done before. Uh, they left Earth and and one of the scenes in Wally e They left Earth. But yeah. I guess they left all their cars... And by then, Tesla was the major car manufacturer, uh-huh. so they're all self-driving, and they all have quirky personalities. And they grew eyes. And they grew eyes. They uh, grew eyes and tramp stamps, and then they make jokes about the tramp stamps. They have tramp stamps? One of, okay, so uh, never one seen of, of the one. characters has like a little tribal bumper sticker on its back, and they make like a tramp stamp joke about it. Alright, all of this talk... And the context of Hobbes and Shaw has set my mind on a roller coaster, John. Allow me to pitch you what I think will be the biggest crossover event in movie history, if I may be so bold. Please do. So, you've got Cars, you've got Transformers, you've got the second and third book of historic materials with us. Antler uh, antelope type things with their they clutch wheel rocks. Wait, are you calling this the biggest crossover event in media history? That's what I'm saying. And then you've got the Fast and Furious series. Heck, throw an Aaron Paul, Aaron Paul. Yeah, Aaron Paul from Need for Speed. Uh huh. You've got all of these car based media properties. Put them in the same movie. Let's bring a death race. Hey, hell. Speed Racer. What I want is, like, a Ready Player One, but for car-centric movies and media. Okay. I like it. So, it's got to be like... Okay, are you familiar with the Marvel uh, crossover event Secret Wars? I am. So, for our fans. Secret Car Wars. Well, that's what I... And Secret Wars, in this Marvel crossover event, maybe the first Marvel crossover event that they ever did... A, an an all-powerful being, whose name escapes me right now, teleports all of the Marvel heroes and villains onto a planet and says, we're going to do a fighting tournament between all y'all. And uh, we're going to see who's victorious. And then they all get beamed back with no memory of the events. But they have new powers and abilities because I, that's how comics work. Yeah. I want that. I want like a grand race master. T- well, not race master. Yeah, that's a a race war master. (laughs) A grand race war master to teleport all of the car-centric things. I'm talking speed buggy. I'm talking just the the mystery machine. I want wacky races. So you're talking about the universe's grittiest, most extreme version of wacky racers. Yes, I want that exactly. Throw in just the entirety of Mad Max Fury Road. Great. Absolutely. Throw all of these things into the same movie. I don't care about copyright. Like, this is art. <laughs> yes. And I want them all in the same movie and just them to race it out. It's got to be like across an entire goddamn planet with like obstacles and and yeah, Tuscan Raiders. And it's across an entire, entirely paved planet. Yes, the entire planet is the race course. Oh, man. That sounds amazing. I, Hollywood... I don't know what you're waiting for. Contact me. Here's my contact information. Uh, HenryWritesGood at gmail.spell.com.grift. Uh-huh. Dot, I'm actually a con man, dot... <coughs> and I will get you my pitch... Give me a billion dollars, let's make this movie. So are you familiar with uh, Super Robot Wars slash Super Robot Taisen? You've talked to this about me, and I, I do have a grasp on the premise. It's like all of the major robot animes in one game. Exactly. So the in Japan, copyright law is a lot different, and creators typically have a, a greater amount of... uh of like intermingling in Japanese media, so you end up with these these beautiful video games uh, where you have dozens of different properties interacting in interesting ways. I think that we can do the same for cars. But my question for you, Henry, is: It's going to be the cars plus their drivers where applicable, right? Where applicable, I, I mean. So like a bumblebee from a Transformers would have a Shia LaBeouf or whatever. Yeah. Yes, or the new girl from the new movie. But I don't know. Bumble, um, Bumblebee had a standalone movie this past Christmas, which I heard was okay. And and then like after it came out, Michael Bay or whoever decides that was like, oh yeah, it's a reboot. So it did well enough to eclipse everything <laughs> that had that <laughs> come before it. I love totally totally selling out anything that happened before. Um, so it would be Shia LaBeouf or the new actress who i i never saw the film so i don't know who was in it Mm -hmm. uh because michael bay stuff doesn't really reach anymore it used to there was a huge michael bay era oh no he made the rock which is one of the most perfect action movies ever made yeah i don't know he his influence has waned over time his power is weakening his phylactery not as powerful as it once was yeah that lich king kind of needs to get more souls is that how that works sure man but I, I, maybe Quentin Tarantino has a, a point. Filmmakers only have so many films in them. Or maybe, I think more appropriately, culture only has so much tolerance for the same type of thing. I mean, I think as a filmmaker, the thing that, other than like talent or learn skill, the thing that makes you applicable and the thing that makes you quote-unquote famous is when society aligns with your vision. So the most popular filmmakers are people who are in a position where what they think is cool also aligns with what society thinks is cool or is beginning to think is cool. I think that plays a lot into why we liked Thor Ragnarok so much, because Synthwave and like this these this 80s influence as evident in things like Stranger Things is really hitting kind of like a building point. Mm-hmm. And Thor Ragnarok was just the 80s space opera yeah. to a T. And plus, he's very talented, and I don't want to discredit anything else that yeah. he does. But I think, like, rewind 10 years, I don't know if Thor Ragnarok would have the same popularity or we would like it as much as we do now. Yeah, and I mean, it also comes down to Taika Waititi and any skilled filmmaker that has, like, a degree of fame uh, reads the room well and understands like where the tide's going culturally and they can make a film that speaks to that. Uh, I think it's interesting that Quentin Tarantino said that because I do think that Quentin Tarantino for the most part makes movies that exist outside of a cultural movement uh, and I think that's just because what he speaks to typically in his movies is like an underlying seediness to culture that gives his movies a certain staying power. Uh, because it's something that we don't address, and if we don't address it, then it continues. But if we do address it, it dies. If we if we pay attention to the elephant in the room, it chokes to death. So, yeah. like, if, if all of his movies are about, like, uh, sexuality and revenge and the underlying evil that exists in everyone, then his movies are going to be good until we start talking about that stuff. Well, I mean, that's a shame. I mean, he retired. Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. He just made Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's his last movie. Okay, that's fine. It's number 10. Yeah. I'm excited to see it, though. People said it's amazing. Which is a shame, because I think he has a Star Trek script that he's always wanted to make. Let him do it. And I, I think covers are some of the more interesting moments in music, when... Not like Weezer's Africa... Their cover of Africa, which is just like, let's throw an electric guitar over it. Yeah. But, like, when people reimagine songs in their style, like, I know 30 Seconds to Mars, Jared Leto, is a not a popular thing these days, but he did a cover of Bad Romance that was really good and... I, I very much enjoy it. It's in my, my music library on my Google Play account. I would very much enjoy if uh, creators, specifically if directors and writers could make covers of movies. Imagine <laughs> Yeah. Imagine a world where you you had not a remake, but just a cover. A cover. The the exact same plot as the same thing, but just done in their style. And that I, would be Interesting, from an artistic perspective, if Hollywood worked in a different way, if movies weren't the revenue-generating machines that they were, I think we would see more of that. Mm Mm-hmm. However, I guess you could argue that the new Lion King that Jon Favreau did is kind of a cover of the original, because apparently... Yeah, because it is literally exactly the same. That's what I've heard. I have not seen it, and I have no desire to. Really not interested. Yeah. Uh, But tangents and Quentin Tarantino aside, go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I hear it's good and thematically interesting. I... This might be a good time to discuss Quentin Tarantino as a filmmaker. Okay. <laughs> he's at the point where he says he's retired, which he might be. I People retire in, in, in that field a lot, and then they come back for, like, one more thing or whatever. I've ne- I have think Pulp Fiction was his best work, and I think everything after that was not as good. I think, uh... I mean, early days Quentin Tarantino is definitely, like, an, an icon. Yeah. I, um... Yeah, I could maybe see that. I'm personally like a Reservoir Dogs super fan because I think Reservoir Dogs is like on a fairly short list of movies that you could make a compelling argument are perfect in their construction. Yeah. Uh, but Pulp Fiction is also it. I think it belongs in that same conversation because Pulp Fiction is like a winding, interconnected narrative with fully fleshed out characters that have like full arcs throughout. Like yeah. Uh, pulp Fiction is like a—it's a masterclass in making a film efficiently, and and having total control over a story that you want to tell. Let um, me try to think. Anything that came out after that, if I liked it more, mm-hmm. I'm a big Inglorious Bastards fan, but it is a deeply flawed movie. Yeah, my my, my main reservation of Inglorious Bastards is it kind of just ends in that it's. I don't know if it. I would call it withholding. It's not apparent, I think, that you're watching an alternative history movie. Yeah. Until the very end. Until that part. The part that everyone loves. I hate that part. I think... Because I feel like it's a, it's a trick that he's pulling on the audience. He's like, oh, you didn't know the genre of the film you're watching. Which, I feel like you should know the genre that you're enjoying... From the first at least hour, I mean, I feel like Inglorious Bastards is is telling the same kind of story that something like Django Unchained is telling, yeah. which is it. And I think this kind of runs through that era of Tarantino filmmaking is that he's not making overly literal films at all. Yeah, he's making films to communicate a mood. Like the things that happen in Django Unchained are completely ridiculous. Like the the action reaction throughout the film is intentionally like cranked up to 11 to give this like dreamlike revenge fantasy feeling. And I, I feel like the thing that ha- eh, in glorious passage, they kill Hitler. Uh, the thing, I, that, if you haven't <sighs> seen it, then whoops, a doodle, uh, the thing where they kill Hitler. It's like, yes, because the, the I think that it's kind of smart. That he turned it around. And you're like, Oh shit. I'm watching, uh, What felt like a power fantasy in the guise of reality turned out to be like an alternate history power fantasy. Because it doesn't matter what genre it is and what story it's telling. It matters the mood it's creating. And I think that the things that... I mean, the most important thing that Inglourious Bastards has to say, a movie in which Hitler is killed... Uh, the most important thing that movie has to say is that film is dangerous in a good and bad way, and, and propaganda goes in both directions, because the entire movie is about, um... Fucking... Killing Nazis. The entire movie is, is predicated on movies. Like, the yeah. the protagonist, arguably, about that movie is someone who owns a movie theater. I mean, of course. And... Because he's Quentin Tarantino. He's Quentin Tarantino. He loves movies. It's like, uh what was the name of the director who, did, who, who Hugo oh Martin Scorsese it's like Martin Scorsese making Hugo where it's like oh it turns out the film's actually about movies Whoa. Oh. Uh, but I feel like it was... Writers can't write about writing <laughs> without people calling them out and saying, oh, you're just writing about writing. But directors can direct But directors can direct any... Go- okay, I'm getting too fired up. Directors no, can that... direct any movie they want about movies, and everyone loves it. Uh, but no, I mean, the, the thing that kills all the Nazis in that movie is film. It's I film know. burning. It's not all the Nazis. It's a ton of Nazis. It's... Okay, it's all the Nazis. Uh, and them being locked in the theaters, the whole reason that can happen. Um... But also, it's a movie about propaganda, and how propaganda goes in both directions, how art is meaningful and dangerous, in a good and bad way. Is, did you see Hateful Eight? Mm-hmm. See, uh, I stopped caring. Hateful stop watching. Hateful Eight's a fine movie. Uh, really, Hateful Eight uh, feels like Quentin Tarantino wanted an excuse to do, like, a... Um, a Western? No, he did that with Django Unchained. A bottle episode? Yeah, he wanted to do a bottle episode where... He basically wanted to do a bottle episode of Bad People, uh, but I, I don't feel like Hateful Eight has anything exceptionally interesting to say. He wanted to do like a 12 Angry Men when where there's no Jimmy Stewart to redeem everybody? Yeah, he wanted to do like a, a room full of totally irredeemable assholes killing each other, which is, I feel like, something that Tarantino has wanted to do his whole career, but people have held him back from. Do people actually hold him back from this At this point, I really don't think they do. I think he just realized he had the power to do the two things he loved most, which is uh, play around in film and also have an excuse for a lot of despicable people to murder each other. So I might be wrong. Hateful Eight was the movie he did before Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Yes. He said he was going to retire after ten films. Uh Uh-huh. That's only nine. The Hateful Eight is... It's a number of people in the... Was The Hateful Eight his eighth film? I thought it was his eighth film. It might have been his ninth film. Oh, I don't know. We can look it up. Anyway. It's not important. It's not important. What is important? What's important is Hobbs and Shaw. Circling back to the entire... Impetus. epitus. What's the word? Starting thing. Impotence. Wait, so we're impotent? We are impotent. Oh, that's... What does that word mean? Uh, can't have children. Oh, that's sad. Eh, I don't want them. It's sad if you're impotent and you want kids. Adopt! Circling back to Hobbes and Shaw. Obviously, we can't reveal... Anything, because we yeah. haven't seen it yet. I want to let everyone know, reviews are coming in hot and heavy for Hobbs and Shaw right now, because the, the earliest reviewers saw it yesterday. Oh. I have read... Why are we not invited to these things? I have read, and I can't stress this enough, nothing about this movie. I, I will I, read nothing about I've this read movie. headlines about the movies, which if you cross-reference them back to, headlines of reviews of previous movies date back to Fast Five, which I did. It's all the same, yeah. every review or at least every headline or rev- every review of fast and furious for the most part there are some standouts for the most part it comes from the same kind of like hand ringy media critic that always writes the same headline which is fast and furious five six seven eight nine ten eleven is dumb but genial fast and furious seven eight nine ten infinity h uh, is a uh, raucous but stupid good time. Or the stupidity flies in Fast and Furious negative 5 through 38. Here's the thing about action movies. You can't call Fast and the Furious stupid and then like, Oh, I love like any dumb 80s movie because it's a classic. Because if, if a dumb 80, if the last Starfighter, if the last action hero, if any of these movies were released today, people would say the same things. Oh, it's stupid, but it scratches that action movie itch that we all have. Yeah. Like, I think that, and this is like categorically speaking, it's something that I do in conversation, but I think that categorically speaking, calling any movie dumb or stupid or simple... Uh, is meaningless criticism. It, it means nothing because it in no way infers anything about the movie. It, it It's a way to be critical without presenting anything. Because if you say a movie is stupid, essentially what you mean is you don't consider it to be an intellectually challenging movie, which is more of a value statement about yourself and a signal of your own virtue rather than anything that's actually about the movie. Yeah, it's not speaking to the movie. Because it, I feel like it's reductive and kind of hurtful to the process of making that genre of movie. Because it's not like a, a director sets out and says, like, I'm going to make a smart action movie. That's not what directors do. They're like, okay, this is what we're doing, Snowpiercer. The entire world lives on one train and one guy has to fight through all the classes of, of train car to stop the train fuck yeah, let's do it. That sounds awesome. I've got tons of ideas about like fight choreography and, and angles we can use and stuff like that. The composition of this film is going to be off the hook. We got martial artists. We got Chris Evans for some reason, because why not? Yeah. like If you're going to make it an action movie, it's like, how can we make this the most awesome thing that people can see? That's the conceit. We want to make this fun, exciting, thrilling, awesome Blood pumping. Let's turn up the octane. It's not like... I want to set out to make... An action movie that makes people think. Yeah. Because that doesn't go together. It's like... I want to make a horror movie that makes people laugh. They're conflicting ideas. But I also don't think that any director... Who's actually decent... Or any writer who's actually decent... Creates something with the express... Purpose of being like... This is really going to make people think. Because I think the only people who create something that's like, this is really gonna challenge people's perceptions and like wake their brains up. they're hacks. Yeah, they're hacks because the the illusion of intelligence is something that we lie to ourselves about. But to comment on the intelligence of art is a is purely a commentary on our perceptions of ourselves. I despise people calling things stupid or like yeah. popcorn fodder like you just have to turn your brain off I'm like what does that even mean is it artistically good i'm very guilty of being a person i will admit of saying it's good if you turn your brain off but that's coming from a person who was trained literarily to become an analyst like a someone who analyzes pieces for deeper meaning mm-hmm. and when i say that it's good if you turn your brain off. It means I can relax. I don't want to dissect this yeah. for meaning because to do so I feel like would hurt the piece. Yeah. If something is made purely for enjoyment, it doesn't mean you can't do that. It just means me personally, I don't want to do that. I want to sit back, enjoy the ride, and don't. I don't want to read into like, well, why would they make the decision to for that character to do that? mm-hmm why it's like uh, point break spoilers, why would they have the guy shoot his gun in the air and scream a bunch of times? I don't want to do that. I want to be like this character is going through emotional turmoil, yeah, holy shit, like this yeah, he's also going through emotional turmoil because he loves him, uh, which is the see, but that's reading into it. That's not turning your brain off. Yeah, but I also think that I, I think that we will say things like "turn your brain off," or at least I do, because it's it's part of like a, it's part of a mutually agreed upon social vernacular that we use to say. To me, I did not perceive this movie to have any greater meaning that stood up to my analysis when I was watching it. You are not wrong. It, it is sometimes a cop out. Like, oh, this movie, yeah, sure, you might think it was bad, but if you turned your brain off, I feel like it's worth another another watch. Yeah. And I'm, look, I'm not a, a good person. <laughs> I, I, I am guilty of that. Yeah. I do that all the time. Like, Well, I'm, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing to say. I'm just saying that it's, no, it's th- an easy thing to say to equate to mean that. It's very easy to say, and I think that is actually bad. Because I don't think we should enjoy any sort of medium with our brains off. Like, I get sometimes we just want to relax and watch, like, the Gilmore Girls or something. We just want to, like, tune out, watch Black Mirror, and not analyze stuff. But I feel like we would get more out of things if we always have our brain engaged. Yeah. If we watch Aquaman with... (laughs) If we watch Aquaman with our full analytical, if we're putting all of our calories into our brain to figure out what is the subtext. What is the subtext of Aquaman? But see, like, I feel like we use that excuse, it's good if you turn your brain off to watch this to protect films that we like that might necessarily not be good. Aquaman is not in any way a good movie. I I also do think that as well, because that's the problem, though. It's like at that point, if not standing up to further analysis is what the definition of good is, at least in the short term, like, then what what is good? See, I I don't know. I struggle with this. One of my favorite movies of all time is Aquaman. No, it's worse one of my favorite movies of all time and i'm going to look up the the rotten tomatoes for this because it is astounding to me and my phone is auto completing it because i have looked up this so many times great one of my favorite movies of all time is the spirit okay i've never seen it not many people have the spirit is a 2008 movie of from the comic of a cop who gets killed and then brought back by the manifestation of death. Uh-huh. To get revenge for his city. Hell yeah. It has a 14%... Yikes. ...on Rotten Tomatoes. And this movie... Captured me. It is... Campy. Serious. Stylistic in a way that Sin City is. You know, black and white. Very, like... It was before its time, I want to say, for like comic book movies, because it's based on a comic book. It's yeah. Weird. And everyone panned it, mm-hmm. but I still think it's a very good film. You can sometimes find yourself in a position, and this is the case that I use a lot for making this similar argument. Because surprise, surprise, I, like most people, have about sixteen arguments that I'm capable of making, and I, my brain doesn't have room for any more. But typically when I make this argument, one thing that I I really do like to bring up is, are you familiar with the movie Starship Troopers? Starship Troopers? Hold on. Am I thinking of the movie where people fight bugs? Yes, they fight bugs, it's afraid, all that good stuff. Based on a book that is way deeper than the movie. Would you like to know more, etc. See, that's the thing, though. When Starship Troopers initially came out as a movie... Most of the reviews were like, hey, if you turn your brain off, it's a stupid movie. It's just an action movie. Uh, and it, it does not have a lot of artistic merit. That was a lot of the reviews of it. However, given time, it is typically now regarded to be one of the most subversive movies about the military-industrial complex and about the fascist the fascistic nature of U.S. government. It has a fucking, like, advert. Doesn't it end on an advert for... It Starship is, Troopers? It is it is routinely interspersed with propaganda-like, xenophobic messages from the, like, governments. Like, would you like to learn more? Would yeah. you like to know more? Uh, and Starship Troopers, directed by Paul Verhoeven, who made Robocop, which was called Very Dumb, and it turns out is, like, a great... A great dark satire of the police state. Yeah. And then you have Starship Troopers, which people said was a dumb action movie. And now, given time and distance, we realize that it was actually more than faithful to the book. And was actually a a more vicious takedown of the fascist nature of U.S. government and the military-industrial complex than we gave it credit for. So, like, can you call a movie dumb? 20 years from now, are we going to look at Hobbes and Shaw... And decide that it was genius commentary on a specific thing that we in the moment could not have detected. I, I, it's possible because one thing that I the academia has has taught me is that it's it is impossible to analyze in the moment. We try, we pride ourselves on an analysis, but hindsight is way better than current sight. Yeah, you know. So like, yeah, we might find because like. The movie that we both really like, which is like fast five came out like a decade ago yeah which and is crazy which is to crazy about. to think about but fast five legitimately is one of the best action movies if we want to call the fast and furious action movies it's one of the best action movies ever made and and fast five has had a similar arc throughout time and that fast five was generally considered and I even went back to reviews of fast five. The headlines and at least the, the top-level commentary on Fast Five seems much the same as it was for Hobbs and Shaw, which is, turn your brain off, it's dumb and fun. In the time since then, people have recognized that Fast Five is not only the best movie in the Fast and Furious universe, but arguably one of the best action movies ever made. Yeah. And it... It's only with time do we realize how good these things are. So that's why I feel like making the value judgment that something is stupid upon seeing it once for the opening like weekend is, yeah. is not necessarily something that you can realistically make. What? The thing about critics and internet journalism today is that they just need to generate the headline. Yeah, they need to write. That's the headline it. gets the clicks, the clicks gets everything else, etc. That's how the business works. And so, if you're just trying to find the headline, if a new iteration of a series comes out, you might be tempted to look at, what did I do last time? Yeah. What was the headline you used last time? And I watched the film. You know, it felt like more of the same. I'm not, an, an, like an analysis, I'm not a true like, literary critic. Yeah. as opposed to a media critic mm-hmm. there's a tiny difference yeah and that literary critics look for the deeper meaning and, and media critics are like well what what is what do the masses care about yeah and all headlines are written for the masses and I'm not trying to say that masses are dumb but if you're trying to cast a wide of a, of a net as possible you're not gonna say like the father's son, Thematic elements of of Hobbs and Shaw uh, really captivated me. You're gonna say, "Well, if you turn your brain off, it's a really enjoyable time. Bring the yeah. whole family, buy some popcorn." It's, it's you're gonna generate significantly less clicks. With an article that says, Hobbs and Shaw is a fun movie that, in my purview, does not stand up to further analysis, but your opinion may vary. Whereas BuzzFeed posts an article that, like, Hobbs and Shaw is so bad it made me shit my own head out my butt. Yeah. (laughs) One of those is just going to generate more heat. And we're also in this weird cultural climate of like... It's it's extending from, like, the rebellious phase of the late 90s and, like, the grunge culture that kind of, like, cultivated and sort of, like, I don't know. I don't know when that time happened. But, like, there's a certain point of popular media that is still stuck in the teenage anti anthorian phase of, Mm -hmm. like, this is not cool. And that's what generates clicks. Yeah. So, like, stupid, but fun is kind of like taking the wind out of it, taking yeah. all the hard work out of it to say, like, undercut it, but at the same time kind of, like, praise yeah. it. All of this to say that Gen X is the most cursed generation, and they've ruined journalism for us all. No, the boomers are the most cursed generation. <laughs> I would, yeah, I before I even point a finger at Gen X, I would say that the boomers are the worst and the glorious generation is dead, and long live the king. The only good generation is the zoomers. Millennials, we were we were sold Gen X lies. The Zoomers, they're free, they're vaping. <laughs> Are the Zoomers what is that what you're calling the, the people who come after yeah, us? Yeah, Gen Z, what comes after us. The people I call the people who come after us, I call the lucky ones. Cause yeah. they can joke about death without people calling suicide prevention hotlines in your in your name. They know what's up. So all of that to say, cursed generations, the millennial generation is a weird in-between. We thought we were the future, but we're doing the same shit. I would like to, in the moments of this podcast. We still have tons of time. Oh, well, maybe that should I say that for the end? I want to do like a fast recap. Not of the movies. But of what has happened in the fukyu, the extended fukyu, which is reality, in the time since we have watched the last movie and prepare to send our bodies into the Hobbs and Shaw vortex. It sounds way better than what I was going to do. That's fair. Uh, we can maybe do that later. We could. Okay. I, all I was going to say was, like, the state of millennials kind of ex... kind of exemplifies where i am right now a person with a foot in two worlds mm-hmm. a person between time i feel like millennials are sort of between we just got caught up in the middle of like the planet is fucking ruined not the planet everything well yeah yeah the planet is ruined we're at a state like in literally the planet is probably going to fucking whoever inherits our problems is going to hate us But we inherit a bunch of economic problems from people, and we hate them. Yes. Maybe every generation gets caught in the crossfire, but some get to slip by for a little time. I feel like when we were young, no, the millennial talk happened when we were kind of like in college. And suddenly, like, we were the fucking worst. Yeah. So, like, when Jin Zoomer gets into college, they might be the fucking worst. Mm -hmm. But right now, I love them, and I want to protect them, and I just... Their humor so exemplifies me today who jokes about dying because he secretly can't admit that he wants to die. The only thing that we can do for Gen Z that is constructive is to not demonize them for their differences from us. I like them. Yeah, but I want to protect them. Here's the thing, though. Given time their differences from us will become alienating and make us look at ourselves and and we will not fully understand them i understand my flaws i personally i'm a 30 year old man yeah in 2 to 3 weeks time and this is no joke i am most likely going to start vaping cbd because i have serious sleep problems however this Wait, is some problems as in i want what what problems are you looking to address if you're CBD? I just can't sleep. I'm not a person who's I'm ever sorry. had a... I've never had a great relationship with sleep. Given any night of the week, I'll typically like wake up fully and then go to sleep and then like have like intermittent in and out of sleep for the rest of the night. I, it, it's very difficult for me to get eight hours of sleep. It's really interesting. When I was in college, when I was living that life mm-hmm. and in, into grad school... I often didn't sleep for days at a time, but since leaving that world and entering the private sector, I sleep like a baby most nights. It's, it's nice because when, when I was a teen and even going into college, I, I could stay awake for days. I had horrible insomnia. Uh, at some point my insomnia was so bad that I would have insomnia to the point where I would hallucinate. Uh, that happened to me in high school. It's real bad. It's really bad. At high school, I was lucky to sleep for like weeks. and Not weeks. For like a week at a time. Yeah. I would sleep during the weekend when my parents would let me sleep till like noon on a Saturday. And typically speaking now, as a, as a 30-year-old adult, uh, trying to go to sleep... I can sleep, but I have, like, in and out of sleep, weird, restless sleep patterns I can't get rid of. However, that is almost entirely ameliorated by very light recreational legal or illegal drug use. Uh um, It's very interesting. So, but if I do begin to vape CBD, which is... Legal. It is legal. Where we live in Texas right now. After they, just, they, they signed the hemp law. I was about to say, they just decriminalized it like two months ago. A so, month or two ago. I know that CBD has the thing in it. I've heard, not to say that I've done anything illegal on a recorded medium, but I've heard it's the thing of a thing that uh, makes you relaxed and has no psychoactive effects. Because I'm not after psychoactive effects. I just want to go to sleep. You just want to relax. Yeah. And I know that... You just want to turn your brain on. I'm essentially going to buy a jewel, and then... Is that uh, J-U-U-L? Yes. I'm essentially going to buy a jewel to vape CBD oil to help me sleep. And that is my way of connecting with Gen Z, with the Zoomers, because they love to vape. Uh, but going forward in time, this may be the last meaningful way that I identify with them. Going forward in time, they will develop habits that I cannot develop because I'm at a different point in my maturity and there's a certain point in our lives as uh, as chagrined as we are to admit it, we've accumulated all of the personality traits that we genuinely enjoy and to onboard new ones takes increasingly greater mental slash psychic effort. Yeah. So eventually we're going to become the people that we're going to be for the rest of our lives, give or take a couple hobbies or whatever. Uh, And as future generations move away from what we consider to be normal, it is very easy, like Gen X has done to us or boomers have done to Gen X and to us, to find things that we think are increasingly degenerate because it's different from us. But I think that the only charitable thing that we can do is to look at the things that the generation preceding us does And not judge them just because they're different. And we're getting to a point where, at least within the more progressive and younger of us, uh, where we're more accepting of things. Yes. And I I hope, my hope, is that when we get to that point that you're describing, that we're more accepting of the differences and we we try to understand where they're coming from. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the only thing, because it's no, it's no secret that our parents never, or at least my parents, I guess I'll just speak to my own experience, my parents never really ever tried to understand where I was coming from. Yeah. I would exhibit anger and frustration Mm -hmm. because that's the only thing they would react to. And instead of trying to understand where the anger and frustration was coming from, they would just say... You can't be angry. You shouldn't be angry. Yes. Which the only natural response is to get more angry. Yeah. I had a huge, huge anger problem. Very violent. Very aggressive. Because it was the only thing that would elicit a response. Mm -hmm. And since moving out and moving away from all of that. I mean, there's a reason I left the state I grew up in. When I went to college. And there's a reason why I didn't go back after I graduated. Because I feel like I'm a better person away from them. Mm -hmm. It's because they never tried to understand where I came from. It's it's a situation where only when... Only when we're free adults who are fully in charge of our own decisions, which you're fully in charge of your own decisions much earlier than you truly think you are. but when you're truly in charge of your own decisions on a day-to-day basis, you realize the person that the generation that preceded you made you become yeah uh, and only when it, it only when it takes a toll in a bad way on the people we love and surround ourselves with do we have to reckon with oh, this is the person that they turned me into. How much of this can I change? Because I only have a limited amount of time to do that. Yeah. You have to correct. And not everyone can correct. And some people fight against that. They individuate away from that. And they uh, they sit into their psychological flaws. And that's how you end up with people who are bad people. Uh, but if you can see that what you're doing hurts people. You can be like, I'm a product of my environment. Yes, everyone is. But there's certain things I can do. Uh Because there are things about my upbringing that make me very hard to, or at least did, make me very hard to be around. And in my worst moments, those things definitely do come to the forefront. But I think that if we we understand that the generation that precedes us is a product of their own environment, maybe we're different. Maybe we will be able to look at these people that precede us with open eyes because the generations previous to us had been sold this like whole cloth myth that you could push through emotions and like shape the world to your whim. And now we know that's no longer the case. Maybe we're different. Uh, I just like to operate under the assumption that we are not different and that we over time will be predisposed to have the same prejudices, but in different contexts as the generations that preceded us. Yeah. And I think that the most, like I said, the most charitable thing we can do is meet them where they're coming from and understand that they have the exact same problems that we did. They're just dealing with them in a way that their environment taught them is an okay way to deal with it. Yeah. It's impossible, though. Because how do you be the grandpa who knows how to use the TiVo? It, well, the thing... Like, another issue that I don't think is thought about enough, the generation that comes right after us, we didn't raise. No. We had no... Interaction? We, that's not true. We had less interaction than we feel with Gen Z or Zoomers. Mm-hmm. Because they were born to Gen X parents. I guess if the math lines up. Or, or yeah. Boomer parents even. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's crazy. Gen Z I guess would be the parents of Millennials slash Gen, Gen Xers. Z- Gen Xers? Because Millennials... Ha- Millennials now at this point have children that can be 12, 13 years old. And those are Zoomers. Yeah. I, I G, when you say Gen X, I'm automatically my head goes to Dan Harmon because he's How old is Dan Harmon? I don't know. Is he like 40 to 50? Yeah. He's a Gen Xer. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that that's where my head snaps to him. Anyone the, older than 35 is a Gen Xer. Like he of. doesn't have like a he doesn't have children. Yeah. But his children would definitely be Gen Z. Yes. Whew. Generations fucking suck. Uh, generations are interesting, but I, I think that there, there are commonalities between Gen Zers slash Zoomers. I feel like we're all responding to stimuli, like you said, based on the environments we were brought up in. Yeah. And because the environments we were brought up in have to be different by definition... Because they're happening at different times, in different contexts, and different environments, and different... And the environment is climate, c- political, economical. They're going to be different by definition. And we need to, res- like you said, we need to resist the other in that because they are different, it does not mean they are bad. Yeah. And to wrap this up, no matter what generation you're from, watch Hobbs and Shaw. No matter what, as long as, what is it, PG-13? I think. As long as you're at least (laughs) PG-13 ages years old. As As, long as you're PG-13 ages years old, watch Hobbs and Shaw. But before you watch Hobbs and Shaw, I think it's very important that we catch you up. Yes. On what has happened in the fuck you... So far. And I believe John, my own John, my own normal John for this episode, is the leading expert. Yes, the leading expert in events in the FQ Extended Universe, which is the real world. Uh, It's the biggest Extended Universe, way bigger than Star Wars. Way bigger than the MCU. Infinitely bigger. Oh. Uh, But... Milestones. The FQ Extended Universe, a few things have happened... I want to get the somber news out of the way first. Number one, we discussed that on the filming of Fast Nine, Joe Watts sustained a major head injury and was in a medically induced coma. There has been, have there been, has there been an update? There's been no update there's for been, about a week. There's been no. So updates. my assumption is either uh, that he is stable and the. Uh, the news media does not, the media news circuits do not care enough to actually report on whether or not he's doing well, which hurts, uh, but, or he's still in a medically induced coma. Can we tweet someone to find out? I would really genuinely like to find out. I really want to know. Uh, but no, so Joe Watts, no updates on Joe Watts. Uh, thoughts, vibes, prayers if you're of that denomination go out to joe watts and his his fiance and his fiance and all of his loved ones for a speedy recovery oh my god in addition to that somber news something that we touched on i believe in the podcast but uh bears a little bit of repetition uh john singleton director of too fast too furious yeah uh and also visionary black filmmaker increased the market share of, like, black representation in cinema tenfold. Like, one of the one of the original, like, visionaries for, for like, black filmmaking, as early as it was, uh, did pass away. He did. Uh, there's not too much more we can say about that other than it's a more. shame. And he's one of the greatest artists, especially for, like, the amount of representation he brought to the big screen. I just want to add, I hope he is a Jectocito cousin <laughs> in heaven. Jesus Christ. I was hoping we could get through the somber ones without a joke. John Singleton, great. Did Look, a lot of good just stuff. Just because I made a joke does not mean I I think the, he'd appreciate it. I don't have the the utmost respect for his craft. Yes. His work. And it's going to live in infamy. It's going to live in fummy. Yes, it's going to live famously. Uh, John Singleton, rest in peace. Now we go on to slightly less somber news. I don't want to, like, TMZ it. There was a lot of, like, weird beef. Some, I believe, like, genuine. Some, I believe, manufactured. There was some beef between Vin Diesel and The Rock. There was beef. It's suspected that it's Vin Diesel and The Rock because neither mentioned each other by name. Yeah. But it's a lot of, like, shade throwing and Instagram stories. There's a weird beef because of Hobbs and Shaw specifically. Yes. Because The Rock agreed to do Hobbs and Shaw. It pushed back the whole production schedule for Fast 9. Yes, so the the Fast and Familia, which we are accustomed to, uh, largely speaking, is something that exists both in the fictional universe that we've marked out hard for, and also the actual universe, which is these people who work together love each other dearly. They Oh, man, they uh, have the utmost respect for each other. It's very sweet. There was that Michelle Rodriguez birthday Instagram post that was amazing. You get to see Vin Diesel singing, which he's not a great singer, but God bless him. Uh, and... I, I feel like Hobbs and Shaw is, is, a, is a strangely divisive movie in the community just because the, the impetus of creating Hobbs and Shaw seems to largely fall to Dwayne The Rock Johnson and the producers, which pushed the production of Fast 9 into the future, which maybe lowered the market share of the original Fast and Familia who love each other, and to create a movie that stars two relatively late additions to the Fast and Furious universe... It seems kind of weird. I still have high hopes for the movie. But also that seems to largely have been quashed at this point. And I don't want to like. Re-editorialize some muckraking about like who hates who or who feels what about what. We could be talking about nothing. I do think it would have been better from a camaraderie standpoint if these films were like sort of going at the same time. Yeah. Like. Hey, uh, Dwayne, if you're okay with having a lesser role in Fast 9, we've got this other movie for you. What seems to have happened is, Dwayne, you're very involved in Fast 9, but we also have a treatment for another script. It might delay Fast 9, but would you be interested in sort of like a, a spin off project? And he said yes, because... What actor doesn't say yes to a project specifically written for them? Yeah, it's like we're going to pay you more to be in a movie that's specifically about you, uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh God bless him. He started as someone who had nothing in professional wrestling and now is one of the highest paid actors in the world. Essentially, he is paid millions of dollars to have something that stars him that has minimal impact on his career. Who can blame him? Uh and I also can't. Jason Statham. God bless Jason Statham, he's always just along for the ride. Oh, by the way, so this move... Okay, this is a deep cut to something I said an hour ago. Uh, In the crossover supercar race movie, Jason Statham would both be the driver... From the Transporter. Yeah, from the Transporter movies, and... Shaw from the fact, he would do a dual role. That would be perfect. That would and be perfect. The the, fun, the joke for the audience is that there's no difference between the two characters. Yeah, there literally isn't. That would be a f- I you should do this script treatment. Absolutely. All right, well give me. It's never going to happen, but you should do it. Back in the medieval times, very rich people would sponsor leave would their thumb drives full of barely legal pornography. Uh shout out I to can't. Randy shout Pitchford, shout out to Randy Pitchford. <laughs> no, back in like the the Medici times, rich people would sponsor artists and like be their patrons. I need a rich person to sponsor patron me so I can write this street. We'll create a Patreon slash a GoFundMe for the ultimate car movie. Ultimate car. Uh, but no, the, uh, the, the beef, whatever I feel like is, is for the most part quashed at this point. Uh, the hatchet has been buried or at least superficially the hatchet has been buried. I don't feel like I never want to be in a position where I feel like I'm muckraking something for a reaction. So it's whatever, uh, Outside of that, we have a a couple pieces of news regarding the the FQ as it moves forward into time. We already talked about the critical reception to Hobbs and Shaw, which we have definitively stated that we do not give a shit about. We we don't care. This is the one movie in the past couple of years I've watched the trailer for because I want to applaud the marketing team for Hobbs and Shaw. They really got the word out. (laughs) The trailer has been playing... For at least half a year. For I will. I watch trailers. By the way, you should watch the trailer for the lighthouse. Uh, it's the new movie by the guy who made The Witch. Yeah, A twenty four Productions. I I am familiar with their work, and I, I. Also, David Eggers is the guy. Who made I it. like the lighthouses. You like The Witch. I we forced you to go watch The Witch, even though you hate scary movies. I saw that movie twice. It was so good. The it Witch is the best good. horror movie of the last fucking thirty years. What Hereditary. Oh, I guess Midsummer. it's time. Have not seen Midsummer. Get out. You naming the big ones. I still think The Witch is the best one, but I have a soft spot for The Witch. It's very good. Uh, it's very well made. I, for Hobbs and Shaw, I made a tacit agreement with myself ending our supplemental reading series that I was not going to, if possible, watch Hobbs and Shaw trailers. Because I wanted to see it as I saw every Fast and Furious movie up to this point going through them, which is... Slate fucking clean. I did not want to know anything. Uh, but I did see the first Hobbs and Shaw trailer at the Super Bowl. I've seen Hobbs and Shaw trailers with increasing regularity during the pre-roll of pretty much every movie. Every movie. To go see. Uh so they're really getting the word out. I understand it's one of the biggest movie events of the year. Uh it it really is. Like people are Yeah, you j- can't you can't avoid it. You can't avoid the fact that Fast and the Furious is one of the most successful. Uh, ongoing franchises in movie history. More um, movies than Star Wars. Which is the reason why we started watching it. But, I, we have experienced so much of this movie already through trailers. We've experienced far too much. That is my... That's why I hate trailers. But we, we discussed the critical reception. Uh, one thing that I would like to talk about is your friend and mine and, inexplicably, your enemy slash villain and mine, one Chris Morgan... The writer of the lion's share of Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. The screenwriter of those movies. Uh, Have you heard anything about a recent interview he might have done? No. Uh, So this is actually going to be news to you. Wait, is he like mad because they moved on with a movie without him? So Chris Morgan? Chris Morgan wrote Hobbs and Shaw, I believe. Oh, what is... But let me go ahead and pull up a quote. Stall for time or do an edit point. So, Chris Morgan, when interviewed about the future of the Fast and Furious franchise, was asked a semi-superfluous, maybe ironic question about the idea that the Fast and Furious franchise could eventually have a movie that takes place in space. That. I mean, come on, come on! So we've he, been building up to it. When when asked that question, I would like to read you his his response essentially verbatim. Uh, okay, his his response essentially verbatim speaks to the underlying animus of the Fast and Furious franchise. But here is what Chris Morgan had to say: number one to that question, I would never shoot down space as a concept. Never, never. I would literally never shoot down anything as long as it hits the parameters. One, is it badass? Two, is it awesome? Three, will the audience love it? Four, will it not break faith with the audience as they're watching it? If so, I'm down for whatever. So Chris Morgan has essentially said... (laughs) that if it meets those four ludicrous parameters, that he will do anything he is asked to do. That's a problem? Okay. Fast and... Here's the the problem that I have. The underlying part is, I have zero problem with the Fast and Furious... The Fast and Familia going to outer space. I feel like this At this point, if they go two more movies without at least going to space a little bit, it would be a missed opportunity because the Fast and Familia are just the X-Men at this point. (laughs) Yes. Uh, If they don't go to space, I feel like I would feel... This is an insane thing to say. A movie about tuner culture in California, going into the ninth movie, I would feel weird if they were limited to Earth. (laughs) I, w- I would feel like they were missing an opportunity if they didn't go to either space or hell. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. First space, then hell. You have to make a choice. You have to say either this is a science fiction picture and it take it goes to space, or this is a fantasy picture where it enters the realm of the mythological. This is a horrible idea that I'm going to pitch to you. I have another movie idea. Yes, and we have no time to talk about it. We're fine. But what if the Fast and Familia literally goes to the afterlife to secure the soul of Paul Walker? Terrible idea. I hate that I said those words. Here's the problem. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Because mm-hmm. we do believe that the Fast and Furious franchise does have respect for the fallen. They absolutely do. Oh my However, God, do? Chris Morgan gave a second interview... One thing, drop. one thing that Chris Morgan said, and I do not want to read into this too much, but if we are talking about the Fast and going to hell, he said to look out for the following three words Justice for Han. Holy <laughs> fuck! <Yeah>. Holy <laughs> fuck! He said to look out for justice for Han going forward. Oh my god! What does it mean? I need it! Oh, but more than Han. Way more than Han. We need Giselle. Justice for Giselle. Way more than Han, Giselle. Can I- Can I posit something to you? Please pitch me your movie. Fast and Furious 10. Highway to Hell. They go to hell reclaim all of the characters who have passed save paul walker he went to heaven Mm. Uh, but they reclaim all of the characters who have passed bring them back into the fold and then execute vengeance on newly minted antagonist deckard shaw slash jason statham yes he becomes the villain again yes it would be so good. Because obviously, like, his brother, he would, like, switch for, for for Orlando Bloom type. Jason Statham, hear me out, opens a gate, Doom style to Hell, to bring his brother back. The Fast and Familia gains access to the Hell Tunnel. Brings back their fallen members. And, and And then it is a, a battle for the fate of the world in outer space. Because <laughs> they, like, were an item. Yeah. Toward the end. They, they'll bring them back. They ruled hell. I don't care. Bring them back. All right. Forget the fucking pitch <laughs> I made at the beginning, middle of this episode. I need hell races. I need the devil. <laughs> I need demons. I need... Look, if we're going to go all the way, if we're going to round the bases and we're going to go to space for Elon Musk's car, because I just want to mention that because we had a really popular tweet in the past week about Elon Musk's car. Yes. If we're going to go to space, we're going to go to hell. We need that. And I know this is this sounds so much like the Gladiator 2 sequel that never <laughs> got made, where <laughs> like... T- where like the the, the 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 Russell Crowe's character goes on the fight across galaxies. What I mean from the Fast and Furious universe is the willingness, the bravery, the cojones, if you will, to go there. Yes, to bre- breach the supernatural. Like we're already there, in a in a weird way where it's like the realism is kind of bending as it is. Cause, yeah. Like, these people are, like, international spies The waveform is collapsing before our eyes. If we don't go to fucking hell in, like, the 10th movie, what, what are we doing? Why, why are we wasting our time? What's his name? Chris Morgan? Chris Morgan. I want to applaud him. We gotta go to hell. We gotta get Han back. We gotta go to hell. We gotta get Han back. We gotta get... Giselle back. I want to drop something on you, which is what I... Which, in the screenwriting community, is called script gold. Uh, So, as we alluded to earlier in the episode, whenever you're talking about something that takes place in the afterlife, like with the devil, there has to be stakes involved. Absolutely. You bring back Han, Giselle, anyone else who was lost to join the Fast and Familia again. One last race probably culminating in like a fist or a sword fight one last race against Deckard Shaw oh Han and Giselle versus Deckard and whatever the other guy's name is Shaw one final race you know what's on the line Dominic Toretto stands out from the crowd and says I should have died so many times before I should have died on that highway I should have died in that helicopter my soul's already forfeit it is a battle to the death for the soul of Dominic Toretto it is the only it's the only cause like the devil would be like You've eluded me. I don't know why I talk like this, but you've eluded me for a long time, Mr. Dominic Toretto. The devil has been actively trying to end the life of Dominic Toretto. I've gotten warlords after you with guided missiles and you still elude me. I will accept your wager for your soul in exchange for both Han and Giselle. Dominic Toretto... Please be played by Paul F. Tompkins to make that make sense. Absolutely. Dominic Toretto is a universal rounding error in the justice of hell, and only through the redemption of his soul will the devil agree to one last outer space race. Yeah. This has to be the 10th movie. Because you need, you're right, you absolutely need stakes in a game against the afterlife. You absolutely, I kind of want to work some Greek mythology in, like, you can't look in your rear view or something like that. You can't look back. We don't even need to use, like, Christian hell. They could pull these characters out Our of Hades. They could pull them out of Hades. Yeah. They could pull them out of the River Styx. Yeah. No. I, oh my god. What if god. the Fast and Furious universe made a choice that hell is real, absolutely, but it is Hades. But it's Greek. Yeah. Greek mythology is the only mythology that was correct. Sisyphus is working on a car that'll never be fixed. <laughs> the, the you're, s- you're tuning up that car every day, but it's yeah. never gonna run. Yeah. He's like, I need to push it up to these jacks in my stand so that we can replace the carburetor but I can just never do it and Dominic Toretto's like I'll give you a hand and he helps yeah. Sisyphus push the car. Oh my the top. god The crazy Marry thing Marry these universes! We have at this point and I'm not gonna lie to the fans we have marked out so hard for the Fast and Furious universe that the idea of them going to hell is not a ludicrous concept to me it is on paper sure but saying it makes me feel like I would want to see that movie. I'm excited. But, of course, as of, as of all things, unbiasedly, it would have to be done well. Yes, of course. And... You can't be asleep at the wheel for this. You can't just get any director. Yeah. You would need the perfect team. You would need the perfect writers, the perfect director. The writer is just always Chris Morgan. All right, you need Chris Morgan, but you would need a really good director. Yes, to do this hell movie, this this Fast and the Furious ten. I guess we're we're proposing Fast and the Furious ten: Highway to Hell. Highway to Hell. Oh, that's a good name. Yeah, actually, just not even ten. Fast and Furious colon Highway to Hell. Very good. Which director do you propose? He has had he has had interesting results in the past. But I believe in Justin Lin because he directed Fast Five. He could pull it off. I feel like Justin Lin has the two qualifications in that he directed Fast Five. And he also serially directs horror movies about the supernatural. So Justin Lin is a perfect choice for Fast Five alone. Episodes Community. Maybe a Hulk movie? I don't remember. No. I'm thinking of Ang Lee. Ang Lee. I would not trust Ang Lee with this. Yeah. Not at all. Who did Life of Pie? No idea. Uh, no clue. <laughs> Do you want the Life of Pie director to direct this? Is that why you're looking it up? I'm getting all spiritual. I drank all that Bud Light real quick. It's like water. I and I can feel it up here, which is weird. It's six percent, dog. Well, that doesn't. Oh. is like way Alright, for the record, the life of Pi director is Ang Lee. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I had no idea. Mm. Do you want Ang Lee to direct it? No. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like Justin Lin's a good choice. He knows how to write about the supernatural, and he knows how to make a good Fast and Furious movie. So, he would be the perfect person to marry that to... I think Chris Morgan knows these characters, obviously. And I feel like he would be the... per. Look. Let us tweet at Chris Morgan. Highway to hell. We've got two pieces of homework. There's a goddamn song about it. We've got two pieces of homework to do. Going off of this episode. Before we go see Hobbs and Shaw. Which I cannot... I cannot overstate my excitement for. Number one we have to make some good faith effort to find out the status of joe watts how do we do that i really have no there, there's almost no good way to do it because we can't tweet at someone and say we're genuinely interested for, for our podcast well no i i look but the thing is i feel like if it's if it's bad news or even if it's good news I don't even necessarily want to share it on the podcast. I'm just genuinely interested because this is someone who got hurt making something I love. Yes. Uh, And and I am very genuinely interested. Uh, And the second piece of homework, of course, is to uh, tweet directly at Chris Morgan requesting he make a Fast and Furious movie in which they go to hell. And if we, Lathe of Heaven style speak into existence a fast and furious movie where they go to hell you are fucking welcome yes honestly that's gotta be a thing if we speak it into the universe to chris morgan and he internalizes it and makes a fast and furious movie that goes to hell i can die happy because i will have contributed directly to something that i love so much absolutely I can't find his Twitter because it seems seems that Chris Morgan is a popular name. Uh, Weird. Yeah. Maybe he does not have a Twitter. That could be, too. There are people out there who don't have Twitters. Yeah, maybe the writer of Fast and Furious doesn't want people tweeting at him. They exist. I'll find his email. Find his email. We're going to follow up on this for real because we say we're going to follow up on things and we never do. And we've got like a 50% hit rate. Which look, is not great. Look, please start whatever email you do. Hi, I'm John, co-host of Zero Credits, a podcast with at least 50 followers. Yes. We want to know, is Highway to hell real? Dot com. Bye! <laughs> and he's going to be like, what's Highway to Hell? And he thinks so about it for a second. It's like, it makes total sense. I starts yeah. writing the script. Holy fuck, we could be the impetus. We could be the Is impetus. that the right word? I, re- I can't. Impotence. Impotence. Oh, okay. We could be the impotence. We could be the reason Chris Morgan never has kids. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, his kids are his movies. His kid his children are the movies. His movies are the children. I feel like we might have We did it. We might have run out of runway. We much did. like that plane at the end of Fast Six never did. <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Giselle. Rest Spoiler. in peace, plane. Uh, I feel like we might have run out of runway for the fast and furious conversation. I feel like we we are at a fever pitch. We're at a, a fevered pace going into Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. And this I is feel good. ready. I want it to be good, and it's going to be good, and we're going to watch it. We already got our tickets. We, we bought the commemorative glasses. That's a thing. We bought the glass. Oh, shit, I forgot we bought about the, the commemorative stupid glasses. fucking commemorative glasses. I sure hope we get those fucking glasses. I really forgot about the stupid glasses. We got those commemorative glasses. We are ready. What if this movie sucks, dude? We just spent so much money on these stupid fucking glasses. Look, books. look. In total between us we spend like 30 bucks each. That's nothing. I've committed more to less. I've spent more than $30 on food I ate and then pooped out. Yeah, I I've paid hundreds of dollars not I have paid a $100 for food. 60 bucks is like a video game. Come on. I have paid $300 for food. And it's actually, it was one of the most memorable experiences of my life. I'm not going to re- forget it anytime soon. However, I have spent $30 on food and then pooped it out and not remembered it. Well, here's the thing. Every money you spend on food gets pooped out. No, I'm saving the $300 one <laughs> inside of me. <laughs> the I, I have a special place in my colon where I store the $300 food. I'm like, hey, I, that my Taki Polenta is in there somewhere. Oh, that's a fancy name. Uh, it was very good. <laughs> is it like a taco. No, so there were Mataki mushrooms and some polenta. It was all very good. Placenta? Polenta? It's like a corn mash. It's like, it's like a... I don't know what placenta is. I don't know. What, I don't know. <laughs> In the <laughs> okay. <any> episode, John. <laughs> uh, do you want me to do the social media? You have to. I edit. You're right. So, if you would like to send us what your definition of placenta or polenta is, uh, they're very different, or at least... I hope so. You can do so by sending a tweet to ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. Zoomer, Coomer, Poomer, Coomer, Woomer, Hoomer, Joomer. That's right. And also, if you want to send us something like an email or like a letter bomb, you can't do that. It's a digital format. You can do so on zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com, crom at gmail.com. We will never give you our physical address. We know you want to hurt us. We know it, and you will never get it. You will never, ever get our physical address. P.O. Box doesn't exist. Oh, that'd be cool to have a P.O. Box for the people who wouldn't send us shit. You had to fucking pay for those. We're True. We're on YouTube. We are on Facebook, though. Yeah, we are. You can search Zero Credits Podcast on the Facebook search bar. We are also on Spotify. You can search for us by searching zero credit, open parentheses, S, close parentheses. Add us to your playlists where you have nothing but the eight remixes of Old Town Road and also that song RNP by... Uh, YBN Corday, which is a real banger. Uh, We cannot talk about Twitch because we have not streamed on Twitch for a while, but we would like to. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching for zero credits. Please leave us a like, leave us a subscribe, and leave us a comment because that is the best way for people to hear about the podcast. Just kidding. The best way for people to hear about the podcast is that word of the mouth is the only way... We can survive. Find someone that you love dear. Hold them close. Place your mouth directly over their ear. And then whisper, zero credits. The show where they talk about that there zeitgeist. And then you will have planted the seed. The seed of your eggs in their brain. The eggs will then hatch and turn into beautiful locusts of listening pleasure. And if you infect someone with the locusts, they will infect someone with the locusts. I've had this weird, like, brain flash of the plot of Gears of War for some reason. A game I didn't enjoy. And if you we already can't sequit into that. You can't you have to go from everyone here at or do like a non sequitur. I, for some reason I was like I'm, the format's normal. I know, I was gonna I was gonna launch into social <laughs> media which you just Clearly, did. Yeah, we cannot do that. It, this, it, oh, it's a very man. segmented. I do social media, and then you either do hard non sequitur, which is appreciated but rare, or then you break into from everyone here at the Zero oh, Credit. Okay. The formula is established. Hey, if you're fighting locusts, everyone here at the Zero Credit Studio wants to wish you. Uh, Happy week. Happy week. Bye. Goodbye. Good luck with locust. Go see Hobbs and Shaw. Or we'll kill you. Calvin and Hobbs and Shaw. We'll fucking hunt you down. Murder you. In front of your parents. And that's what I call a parody. You can't sue us for threatening to kill you. You can't sue us because it's the law. We will actually fucking kill you every time you say it gotta say it's a parody we will track you down (laughs) satire everyone it's just satire at your place of employment it's fair use if you if you give death threats for less than 20 seconds it's a defense in court but you'll win and tickle you Until you agree to go see Hobbs and Shaw. Fuck you, John! Oh, fuck. It wasn't death threats the whole time except for the only times when I said we were gonna kill him. That's a parody, parody. you can't threaten people for more than 20 seconds <laughs> no absolutely not but the thing is you can't threaten that you'll kill people kind of period